0: That's com slash judging Megan to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash judging Megan. And now back to the podcast.
1: What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? <laughs>
0: I don't know if you've ever heard of a place called Costco, but I happened to be one day, I think I was in world market, which I sometimes go in there just, you know, to like get wine, whatever it is. And I was like, you know what? I think that I'm going to go and join Costco. I was a member like a hundred years ago and I never really went. I think I went like one time. I, I forgot, what that place was like. And I'm going to start with when I walked in and I was like, I'm not a member. I felt like I was going into a nightclub and they, they showed me where the membership director was. So I then went and I was like, Hey, can I sign up for a Costco card? She then tried to like upsell me for a good, like 20 minutes onto like a premium membership. And I was just like, no, no, no. I just want the basic membership she hated me by the end. She purposely took a bad picture of me i I mean the picture is like the worst picture I've ever seen. not like I'm going to show people my Costco card. Then I go in to the big giant room with my big giant cart, and I felt this i've kind of felt the same feelings that I feel when I go into a casino in Las Vegas, it's like this feeling of like, oh my God, there's a bunch of slot machines. And where do I go first? Cause I'm an old lady and I love slot machines in Vegas. I am about to bring in my friend, Amy to talk about Costco. Cause she's, she's my guest. Uh, and she is going to, well, let's talk about Costco, Amy. Um, Have you, are you, are you a member? First of all, well, I I don't go into
2: Costco because it gives like it gives me anxiety. Like it's just too, yeah. too much for me. So my husband's the Costco shopper. I actually have never okay. been i I've never been a member, and I didn't realize that I couldn't use his membership card. So oh, there, was, no. No,
0: there was you can't.
2: There was one time when I was in a little pinch, here actually in the South Bay when Mia was probably about. That's my oldest daughter. She's five now, but she was probably about. I want to say 18 months and I needed something specific. I can't remember what it was, but I went in there like, I have to get it from Costco. And I got to the checkout and Mia was just a mess and they refused to let me buy anything. And it was like, I I got in and I had one of those moments of like, I just surely, I just completely embarrassed myself. Like I had like kind of a mommy tantrum. In in the yeah, yeah. they, oh, they was,
0: wouldn't let you go I, in because you were I, was it was so an like,
2: I have a baby. Can I just buy this one thing that I'm trying to buy? Nope, can't do it. And I just kind of stormed out of no. there. I really and I Amy. was I was embarrassed for myself, but whatever. I learned Amy, there's conforming. a very
0: very strict policy at Costco, and I have now been informed. Um, I will never need toilet paper again for an entire year. I will <laughs> never need pa- paper towels again for an entire year. I somehow almost like bought a giant container of trail mix that I was like, where would I even put this? Um, right. The sample people really, really kind of freaked me out. Um, They really pushed those samples on you. And I just, you know, I, I what is exciting is that I will not need detergent paper towels or um <laughs> toilet paper for a year I think and um but I have no plans on really using my membership anytime soon plus they yelled at me when I was leaving because I didn't understand that you're supposed to leave the big things in the cart and the small thing it's a whole thing it's a it's, whole thing it is thing. you're supposed to know what you're doing uh, right? yeah so anyways any tips on Costco you guys send them to me <laughs> I talk a lot about how much therapy saved my life and how lucky I am to have my amazing therapist, Dr. Nay. But not everybody can get an appointment with Dr. Nay, And I really wanted to break the stigma on getting help or asking for help. So that is why I partnered with a company called online-therapy.com. They have plans that start around $30 a week And you can get weekly therapy sessions for less than $50 a week. You can also get my 20% off code by going to my website, judgingmegan.com, and you go to the therapy tab. And if you click on the link at the bottom, you can get 20% off your first month. Well, hello, everyone. I want to introduce you to my guest. Amy Papa Nicholas, she is a, a friend of mine, We're a new friend of mine, um, and if you saw her beautiful face right now, you would be like, I mean, I'm, first of all, not wearing any makeup, so I, I should have known, like, I should have prepared myself to know today was the day that I was shoot, I was going to be recording with a supermodel, and what am I oh, thinking, God. but I literally was like, you know, I, I did my Peloton, I jumped in the shower and I just didn't have time. So anyways, welcome Amy. It's so good to see you. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Um so Amy is a is a fashion blogger, right? You do like a fashion blog and you also have an Instagram, which I'm always so jealous of because you're you know how you're very technical and you know how to do those fashion reels. Yes, those are really, and fun. it's very impressive. So, oh, what if, you. before we start? What's your Instagram? So, in case any of my um, followers or listeners want to get some tips on fashion, I would love for them to follow you.
2: Yeah, it's um, the Anders Edit. So it's A N D E R S Edit. So it's the A N D E R S Edit, and that's my main maiden name. So,
0: okay, um, well, it, you're so you're I'm really gonna... good at it. You're really good at it. And you also, I think, do styling as well.
2: Yep, I do. Okay. I just live in my own styling business. So I go into, I, I do work mostly wardrobe styling. So I go into people's homes and help them edit out their closet, figure out what their needs are and kind of rebuild their wardrobe if, or, or even just dress them for special events. It just depends on whatever their needs are. But yeah, I just got kind of restarted with that this past year.
0: Okay. Well, I love following you. You and I kind of, I always talk about how I meet people or how we connect. Um, I talk about a lot. The South Bay is very small, even though we live in Los Angeles, we live in like a pocket by the beach. And, um, I think we met each other at some party or something and then we've connected and kind of kept in touch. And, um, I asked Amy on today because she is also a trauma survivor. Um, I wanted to share her story of, um, it's a tough one and it's one of overcoming a lot of really difficult things in her life. She's very brave to come on here and share this story. And I'm just going to start Amy by asking you about your childhood, where you grew up and your whole kind of backstory.
2: Yeah. So I, I grew up, um, I was born in Philadelphia. I grew up on the East coast for part of my childhood. Um, And had a very pretty, I would say, I guess, normal childhood. I mean, I think we all have things about childhood that we don't, you know, that we, that make us who we are today. But it was, relatively speaking, I would say it was a very wonderful childhood. I love my parents. I love my sister and brother. I'm the oldest of three. Um, We lived in Philadelphia, but we also moved around a lot. So I lived in England when I was young, really young. Um lived in Philadelphia area and a couple areas of that in the suburbs. So I moved to different school districts and then we moved out to California when I was, I think, around 12 um, and lived in Northern California, Southern California and Seattle. So I actually went to three high schools growing up, um, which was a lot. I moved like the middle of my freshman year and the middle of my junior year um, and then graduated from high school up in Seattle in Bellevue, Washington. And then so your that-
0: dad, your I think you told me offline. Your yeah. dad had the kind of job where he had to move a lot, so that's why you moved so much. Um,
2: yeah, he, he worked.
0: Yeah, he worked
2: in medical device startups. Like when he moved out west, and that just naturally it was kind of like working for the tech industry. In you know the early two thousands, Thing companies would get acquired. He would raise funding, they would sell off, and then we move on to the next gig. So that's mainly yeah, his job was mainly why we
0: moved a lot. And so moving around like that, um, did, did that, how did that affect you? Were you able to kind of um, figure out like how to acclimate to different situations easily? Were you, um, were people, were, I mean, we know how girls are, were girls mean to you? Were, what was that like?
2: It was, it's sort of a blur, but honestly it was hard. I mean, it was really hard and I was actually mm-hmm. very, I was a pretty shy kid. I was pretty introverted. I'm way more extroverted now. And I actually really believe that those experiences built up my confidence to be more social. And in the end, it ended up being a good thing. But adjusting was really hard and feeling like the new girl and feeling out of place. But it taught me to also have a lot of compassion for people. And I I always had friends from different groups. I wasn't like the cool girl in the, the popular group or, you know. The theater nerd, or whatever. I was friends with all of those people because, honestly, whoever was kind to me, I was kind. I, you know, I, I felt like they were my friends. You know, yeah. um, but it, when I remember, the hardest one was the middle of my junior year because I was kind of set, settled in. I had a posse of friends, a really cool group of friends, and um, I just felt at home. Down it was down in the San Diego area. And when I found out that they were moving me to s- Seattle, I was pissed. I mean, yeah. so mad at my parents, but yeah. it, it, you know, it ended up working out cause you kind of, as a, you just have to adjust. I mean, I needed friends and I wanted to feel like a sense of belonging and it wasn't easy in the beginning, especially in Seattle. I would say a lot of those kids grew up together from the beginning. So I was kind of this California girl that came in, which in some ways was kind of cool. And then mm-hmm. you know, I always kind of felt like an outsider at mm-hmm. my last high school and i quite frankly don't keep in touch with many of those with any of them really um i keep in touch with people from my earlier childhood days and then from college so
0: it definitely yeah, i mean i i can't imagine um what what that's like just i i was always i mean i moved in high school one time and went to boarding school but just having to kind of acclimate and learn you know new cities make new friends um i'm sure that that Probably taught you how to deal with people pretty well.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah. One hundred percent. And I felt like when I went away to college, it wasn't a big adjustment. I was just like, woo! I went to University of Arizona, and I just honestly, like, I had the best college experience because I just took it all in. I enjoyed it. I knew I was going to be there. Hopefully, you know, for four years. Things can change. Yeah. And I really settled in and felt like I found a place that I really loved and people. I got very fortunate that I was in a sorority house with people that are genuinely cool that I'm still friends with to this day. Um, Cause I know that can go a different way. Um, there's definitely like a mean girl element in some parts of the Greek system, but overall I had an incredible experience. And I think part of it was because of the confidence I built up over the years of having to move a lot.
0: Um, and also those friendships, like I'm still really good friends with all my friends from college and they just, you know, they kind of like stand, the tests of time being oh, in, in a situation where you're living with people and you have to, you know, like my friends and I, we all got in dumb fights, but we're still all really good friends to this day. Oh, um, yeah. so, okay. So you went, so you had a really good college experience and then let's talk about once you got out of college, where did you go? Did you get into fashion right away? I think you told me you moved to San Francisco. I
2: I moved to San Francisco. I was so funny about, I wanted to graduate and move to San Francisco and get started with my career right away. (laughs) And if I could go back in time, I would travel for a year. I would have done something differently because I think I just like stepped right into the business world and didn't know what I was stepping into. But I started in PR um, at a PR firm, a PR agency in San Francisco that was repping like eBay when eBay was coming up. And, they had a bunch of like healthcare companies and tech companies, um, and I just started off there in an entry level role, um, living like paying the craziest rent in San Francisco during the like dot com era, mm-hmm. um, and not making any money <laughs> in PR. So I did that. Then I got into tech recruiting, um, and so those were like kind of the short stints in my career. And then I moved on to retail. But during that time. I experienced some pretty intense anxiety
0: um, Yeah,
2: really from the like stress level in the workplace. I've always been one of those people that I think people want to give more responsibility to because I work really hard and um, I think people see a leadership ability in me, but I got to a point with the first job where I was pretty tapped out um, and it sent me into kind of a fight or fight mode. And I never, well, actually I had experienced that. I wanted to touch on that in my childhood. I didn't know until I, until I went, until I experienced this bout of anxiety, which also goes hand in hand with depression. I didn't know that I actually had experienced that in my childhood, but I now was able to go back in time and identify that, Oh, this is something that's been a part of me my whole life.
0: How did, um, how did your anxiety manifest? Like what when I, you say you had anxiety, did you have panic attacks?
2: I started to have panic attacks and I would come into work and I would be frozen looking at my computer screen. Like I cannot do work today.
0: But what um, were your panic attacks like? Like everybody uh, that like, I mean, I talk about this openly. I have severe panic attacks and I'm on medication for them. Um, do you did did you have trouble breathing? Like I could what were they like? How how did you because everybody's different?
2: Heart, for me, it's like heart racing and I feel like I'm out of body, like an out mm-hmm. of body moment. Um, I mean, there probably were times when I had a little bit of trouble breathing, but it wasn't like I didn't feel like I was having a heart attack um mm-hmm. or hyperventilating, but it was definitely like this overwhelming feeling of I can't do this, I need to get out of here. Like I just wanted to run, I wanted to escape from it. Um and and I also have a very harsh self judgment about it too. So I would be sitting there like, "What's wrong with me? Like, why am I doing?" You know, which I think that part of my struggle has been more intense with depression. If I'm going to be really honest, I mean, I think it, they go hand in hand. But
0: yeah, they do. The
2: constant the constant negative self talk. I mean, it's like I'm already hard. in panic mode, and my body's in fight or flight, which is chemically like imbalanced. And I didn't know this at the time, but then I'm beating myself up on top of it for having that feeling, which is, you know, it's so sad when you think about it, it actually brings me to tears because it's, it's a very normal, like psychological thing that can happen and a chemical imbalance that can happen to your body from stress, you know, and that's what it was. It was, I was working, working a ton, working around the clock and I wasn't giving myself a break and I stopped taking care of myself and
0: everything was about work, you know? And And you were really young too. So, how did you, how do you remember your, like looking back? Cause you're saying you also experienced it in childhood. Yeah. Were the moves, like, when were you experiencing the panic attacks in childhood? So, I don't know if I remember
2: specifically panic attacks. Well, there's a couple scenarios, but one specifically that stood out to me that I addressed in therapy as I got into therapy when I had these bouts. As, as a young adult is I remember I moved, it was, um, I can't remember which school I think I might have had, might've just moved to San Diego. So it was my second high school. And I used to go to the summer camp in Michigan. My mom's from the Midwest and we, there's a, like an overnight camp she used to go to growing up. And it's an amazing place in, um, on, on Lake Michigan And so I do this, pro. I would do this program where you go like backpacking and cycling and you just like camp out for this, this trip I was going on was for two weeks, I think. And in order for me to go and attend, I had to finish school early. So I had to take my finals early. (laughs) I'm like new to the school, taking my finals early. You know, that's a lot on a, on a teenager. And I got to the camp and was feeling okay. But I found out as we embarked on our trip, our cycling trip, that the kids were there to the kids in the group were actually responsible for leading the way and making the decisions of the trip. And the 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 leaders, the camp leaders were just there to kind of guide us. And I was with a bunch of inexperienced campers and I was pretty inexperienced, but compared to the rest of the group, I had more experience. So these other kids were looking at me for all the decision making, like where should we go? Where are we gonna camp out? Should we camp out behind this church? and i could just start to feel it build and build and build and i remember being on my on my bike and my face i think the count the counselor said my face was like just white as a ghost and she looked at me and she's like are you okay and she thought i was having like maybe low blood sugar so i like had some something to eat to kind of help help me and um it, it wasn't helping. I mean, I felt like I could not go on, on the trip. I was feeling what I now know is probably some kind of, I was having some kind of panic attack and mm-hmm. I was frozen. Like I just could not go forward. I couldn't go forward. It I'm sounds to like- me
0: too, like you realize from a young age, just like that. You probably were like a perfectionist and yes. put a lot of, pressure on yourself just because like having to be the certain way and, you know, like move all the time and then get, leave college, get right into a, a profession, you know, and have a job, like all of this stuff, um, that happens. I talk about this a lot. Like our childhoods really are, they, like, they make us into and and follow us into our adulthoods and really oh. honestly there's no way that you can ever escape what you've gone through in childhood because everybody has a different experience but some no. people can deal with them in different ways no. some people can go through really hard times or loss or whatever it is and just maybe they're fine but it, it everything comes back and i hate to say to haunt you but it does and then it, and then it's like how you deal with it, and how you get help in your later life to evolve into the human being that we're all supposed to be. Because I really believe that life is like a whole series of tests. I've said this before on the podcast. So you're given tests throughout life, right? And the way that you deal with the test is how you react, what you do, and then at the end of your life because I am spiritual, I believe that God's like, okay, like I gave you these shitty tests that you had to go through. I'm sorry, but this is how you evolved and became the person that you are today. 100%.
2: I ended up going back to the camp, which was a big blow to the ego. I mean, if you're going to be honest, and I felt so shitty about myself. They sent me back because they thought I had a physical problem. Like I was having a heart issue. This is, this is where I get passionate about anxiety and depression because that's not what was happening. They sent me to a camp doctor. The doctor's like, you're totally fine. You were, And I don't remember if they said you were probably having some anxiety or a panic attack, but that's what it was. And so I ended up, I never finished the trip. I stayed back and that killed me. I mean, I felt mm-hmm. like, so. I mean, I remember trying to explain it to my parents and they just they didn't get it. And I remember we had a family reunion after, and I felt so out of place and just
0: awful. Um, Like you, like you had, like I failed not yeah, You, you were a failure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that must have been really hard on your teenage self. It was, it was
2: really hard. Like I think about it. I want to give myself at that point, just like a huge hug.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: So I actually have talked about it in therapy. But there are just, I know there were other, there There were other little things throughout my young childhood that came up like that, where I was afraid to take risks and try things. And I think, but, and, and then internally I would beat myself up about it. And that was a habit that just was ingrained into me that I ingrained in myself. Cause I don't think, I really don't think it, I think it was my own inner critic that Then, as you were saying to tie it all back around, came up for me in adult life where you're in a performance setting, a high performance setting, intense work environments. I mean, I've worked, i worked, you know, at that PR firm. I worked at a tech recruiting firm that was just a chop shop. It was, it was actually a pretty bad place to work. And then I got into um, Gap for 10 years. Gap was a wonderful place, but Gap Inc is, you know pretty intense
0: company and it's, it's a pressure care. cooker. All of these things, if you, cause I, yeah. you know, like I talked about and we've talked about before I, um, suffer from anxiety and depression and, um, and I was in corporate America and I was, um, in, in sales and, um, and for a really long part of my life. And then I got to the point where I was having, I had a boss that was, extremely right during COVID, extremely um verbally abusive. Like she would say horrible things to me during COVID. And I was like, I can't do that. Like I legitimately thought I was gonna die. I would wake up at night and think that I was dying. And I just was like said to my husband, and that's why I really I really got myself at that point. That was my breaking point of being like, okay, I'm in therapy. I need to like dive into therapy. I need to make the conscious decision to move forward and I can't go back to that life. I can't do it. And it sounds to me like you were in a similar experience where it yeah. was like just so much, so much. Right.
2: Yeah. So it's interesting. So I had that little, that little bout, I say little, cause it wasn't as big as the other bouts. <laughs> my first job, my second job, I actually was sort of, I was basically let go. It was like after many rounds of layoffs and the dot-com crash and 9-11 mm-hmm. when I was working for a recruiting firm. And my, my, um, boss said, if you had the option to opt out, what would you do? And of course I was like, well, I would opt out and I was in tears. And then he basically let me go with no, like no notice, no, no severance, nothing. And I'm living in San Francisco with crazy rent. I mean, that put me into a tailspin of depression and anxiety and i got really bad um i took some more pills than i should have of some kind of antidepressant it wasn't anything it wasn't enough to do anything to harm me but it was a cry for help and what, um, what happened what so I, what did, I, I was called, that an attempt called uh, me uh, it wasn't okay. a suicide attempt because i thought it it would just make me uh, that was not i so I've never, what I will say, and I'm going to get into the suicidal thoughts and all that with another mm-hmm. part of the story, but in, in this situation, I knew I wasn't going to kill me. It was, I just want to sleep. Like I, whatever it was, I just wanted to sleep and I just wanted to escape. And it was a cry for help. And my ex-boyfriend at the time was Checking on me, and he's like, "What did you do?" And I said, "I took some extra pills." And I told him, and he came and got me, and they brought me home to my parents' house. And I got, I went into therapy, and I mean, it was so hard. And my parents were like, "They're like, I have like, I love my parents so much, but they were like, it was like they were looking at somebody that wasn't their child. They just couldn't believe it, you know." I remember one time I went into therapy with my parents, the first bout I had, and my dad looked at me and was like. This isn't even like my daughter. I don't know who this is. Like, because I really think that, and that was hard to hear. But what what he's saying is like, anxiety and depression can take hold of you, and be so powerful that you are a shell of who you are, like a shell of yourself. It's pretty. It's pretty powerful. And the fact that it's there is such a stigma around it still is just mind blowing to me because so many people experience it. But in this second bout. I got more help. I never really found a therapist in the early days of, of this uh, that that I really latched on to, but I did the work as, as much as I could at the time.
0: What, what, so when you took the pills going backwards a little bit, what how did you get those pills? Were you on an antidepressant was, at that time?
2: It was an antidepressant that I was on. I'm pretty sure. Okay, So you had, you had already
0: been in some kind of therapy at that I point.
2: I think I was, but it was one of those yeah. And this is the other thing that kind of gets me about mental wellness is that I went to a psychiatrist who gave me pills right away. Mm-hmm. And to me, like therapy is such, is everything like is, is the, I mean, the guy knew me for like two minutes and he's giving me, you know, a drug, which I believe in that those medications work and I know they do. And they've worked for many of my friends and I am a supporter of it, but I wasn't getting the help I needed clearly you know, it's
0: like, it's like putting a bandaid on. I mean, that's why I've talked about this as well is why I was so anti getting put on medication because I was put on medication as a kid. Um, cause I had gone through a lot of loss and I hated it. I hated the way it made me feel. Um, and, and I agree it's uh, therapy i talk about it a lot saved my life my doctor my therapist dr nay saved my life and i am in a i'm in a therapy and i also t- talk to a psychiatrist so i know exactly what i need to be on i'm on a very low dose of something that helps me control my my panic attacks so and right. and i think like you and i both have similar paths where um you talked about it kind of breaks my heart to be honest with you that you were a perfectionist it sounds like your parents saw a a picture of what you were putting out there and you always had kind of let yourself go with the punches and go along and you know be a certain way and move and then go to college and make friends and then go to get like a job because that's what you thought you should do So there's a pattern of like perfectionism. And when you finally got to the point where you were like, I want to take my mask down. I can't. I can't anymore. That's when it really affected you. And then you're and so then you went, got put on the medication. They probably gave you the wrong one. Yeah. Wanted to zone out, took the pills. And then
2: gave me like three different kinds. I mean, it takes six six to eight weeks before it I mean, at least back in the day, I don't know what it is now, but for it
0: to even It depends on the medication.
2: Yeah, It it takes time, like at the time, because this was like, you know, back in the early 2000s, like, I mean, it was like a six week period before you could feel leveled out. And then even then you might need to adjust your medication levels. So I was panicking because I wanted it to be fixed, but I didn't get it at the time. You know, now I get that. I get that there's a lot of work and also just time. That you have to allow, you have to move through all of your feelings, your emotion. You have to get through it. You have to get yourself through it. That's the difference. I think I learned over the, the few bouts is that no one's going to fix this for me. I got to fix. I've got to take care of myself and look deep within myself and allow myself to heal and move through this, or it's going to keep coming back and biting me in the ass.
0: Yeah. It's interesting. You say that it's like, it's like your mental health is, is you can hide it. It's not like wearing a cast on your arm or having a broken leg. You can hide, you can fake it. And I, and I, and I have always been very good my whole life. I'm faking because I'm funny. I like to cut jokes and, or crack jokes. I like to make people laugh. It's my favorite thing but inside when you're, you and I are dealing with similar situations, you're dying inside yeah. and nobody can see it and you can continue to run away from it, but it's always going to come back to haunt you. Yeah. So let, so then you, you had that attempt or what, not technically an attempt, but a cry for help when with your parents and then, then what happened?
2: So I, I ended up having to move home anyway, just because, I mean, I couldn't pay rent in San Francisco. I was barely making enough money to do that in the first place and kind of kept going to therapy, got my feet back on the ground, got a retail job just like as a side thing, like to try to then get another real job. But then that ended up turning into my retail fashion career, which actually worked out really well. And I met my husband, my previous husband, because I was... I. This is, I'm with my second husband now, um, a few months after that. And my life was good, you know, for a while, um, until I realized I married the wrong guy. (laughs) And then, um, I kind of knew pretty soon in the relationship that it was not going to work out. Um, and then I was continuing to climb up the corporate ladder with a lot of stress, but I, I didn't have any bad bouts then. And even, and then I ended up getting a divorce and even with the divorce, it didn't kick me into depression. I actually felt relieved. Yeah. How, <laughs> then, how, long, how long were you married? We were married for about three years, I think, um, three and a half years. And we, we were together for a total of about seven years.
0: Okay. And you were in what part of the country? At this I lived in the East, East
2: Bay of San Francisco.
0: Okay. Most, okay.
2: Most, most of my time has been up in the Bay area since college. And then I moved down here about
0: six years ago. Okay. Um, I love San Francisco. That's yeah. My favorite. Um, well, so then, so then you kind of got to a point where you were like, okay, I'm not supposed to be with this person. Um, your career was good. Things were, things were, were good. Were, I mean, it was stressful.
2: Yeah. Um, I, I mean, work was had its normal stress, but I actually was in a really good place with work and they were actually very supportive. The team that I was with at the time, um, and i did, I had to do a lot of healing and kind of self I kind of call it my e pray love phase of my life where I just there was a lot of soul searching happening during that time between husbands. I met this guy who was kind of a hippie dippy in a very cool way um guy who's like a qigong master he he like d- was studying Chinese medicine and I had some adventures with him, which was really fun and was like in love with him but knew that I wasn't going to end up settling down with him. I got roped back into an ex-boyfriend who I was a high school boyfriend who was bad news um, for me. And that was another lesson. I remember I went to visit him for New Year's and I, he, he just like kind of broke my heart again. was like, this isn't going anywhere. But I, what I realized in that moment is like, I need to stop settling with guys. And I remember I started crying when he told me, like, I'm not going to be able to give you, give you what you want. And I was crying all the way to the airport in Seattle and then all the way back down to San Francisco. And when he was dropping me off at the airport, he's like, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to do this to you. And I'm like, it's not this has nothing to do with you. This is me realizing that I need to not settle anymore in my life with men, you know. And that was a big pivotal moment for me because I think I released a lot of self negative self-worth energy just out, Mm -hmm. like, Mm -hmm.
0: nope, not settling anymore. And it's the universe is a crazy thing. It sure is. And it sounds like that was like another test, Amy, that you had to go through. Um, the story is, is I love how you met your current husband. It's a great story.
2: So that was just a wild. So as soon as I released that energy, I swear, Mm -hmm. Just started, I I remember that I was like, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to start online dating. I'm going to set up my online profile, which I was refusing to do. And, um, I had plans with my best friend, like this was like in February. Um, so a month or month and a half after that whole new year's incident Mm -hmm. to set up my online dating profile. And then I just happened to have this like random night out happy hour with a friend that turned into like a long night out of like bar hopping through the Marina in San Francisco. And we were going to turn in, we went to pizza orgasm. I could have a slice of pie, of course. And then we were going to turn in and my friend who's 10 years younger was like, let's, let's, let's just go back. I'm like, no, let's go out for one more drink. So we went to Balboa cafe and I walked in the door and three door, three tables in was Nick, my now husband. And he saw me walk in and he stood up and he was like, I, I could see him in the corner, like out of the side of my eye. And he kind of like leaned over and he's like, Amy Anders, Nick Nicholas, you know? And it was instant. I looked at him and I'm like, oh my God, I remember you. And I was thinking to myself, yeah, that's the kind how of guy. How did you guys, how good. did you guys know each other? So we knew each other in college. He was a couple years ahead of me and we had a lot of mutual friends. He was really close with girls in my sorority house that were two years ahead of me. And um, I actually met him. The first time I met him, I was dating one of his best friends and we went out for burgers one night and he met me then. And I ended up breaking up with that person. And he, my sophomore year called up my sorority house because we didn't use cell cell phones. That's how old I am. Me too. (laughs) He called at my house and asked me out on a date. His dad gave him tickets to to see James Taylor and was like, take somebody out on a proper date. Cause at U of A you don't go on proper dates. You just go on date dashes and out to bars. (laughs) And Yeah, yeah, yeah. He called up and and I said, actually I can't go because I have to study for a test. And then um I went downstairs and my friends were having like a smoke break outside. (laughs) And I told my one girlfriend and she's like, what are you doing? Go out with him. He's so, he's so cute. And you guys would have so much fun. So I'm like, you know, you're right. So I called him back and said, I actually want to go. And he said on his end, he was in his head going, you're going to, you said no to me. And now you think I'm going to go. Yeah. Like, of course we did. And we had, we had a lot of fun, but nothing happened. And he always joked around. Like, I thought, I just thought for sure when I saw you out at dirtbags the next time, like it was going to be on like, <laughs>
0: But isn't that interesting how you're two, I talk about this a lot. Like, I think like my husband and I, when we met, we locked eyes. We were two souls that were really supposed to be together. I believe in that. And I think that people come in and out of your life for different reasons. And you guys were just supposed to be together, but it wasn't your time, you know? Yeah. So then then you got married and then met, then, then where were you mentally throughout this whole process?
2: I was in I was in a very good place when I got married though. Um, there was the division I was working for inside of my company was going through a major, major shift. Um, they ended up cutting the staff in half. I was one of the remaining few original like team and it was pretty high intensity, like The business was struggling, and they wanted a big turnaround. And I was one of the few people that they kept to kind of help that. And then they brought a new team over, and it was building and building. So my stress level was getting there, but I was about to get married and go on my honeymoon. So I wasn't like we weren't at the height of all of that stress. So we had a blast on our honeymoon. Our wedding was a blast. It was like it was like a party, a U of A reunion. Um, Mm -hmm. And then we went away um, for a couple weeks and. I came back and it just kept getting worse. And I mean, it was just really intense. Um, and I, and I thought I've sort of had moved past and I, and Nick knew about my anxiety and depression bouts. I told him all about it before we got married, but I honestly thought I was, that was behind me. Cause it had been at least like 10 years since I had a bad bout. even like through my divorce, I had some anxiety and some depression, but it wasn't, to the point of like where I needed some serious help and my body just got into that fight or flight mode. And I was not, I was a shell of myself. I mean, Nick was like, like it was, you know, it's hard for someone who hasn't seen you like that. Like he, he's never seen me like that dark and down and and intense and it was hard for him to watch. Um, and I could tell he was like, what is happening? And we had just gotten married. So you're just like, holy, I'm sure he was like, what the fuck did I just do? Yeah. Cause it's scary to see your, someone you love go through that, you know? And but it just you can't like,
0: control when these things, that's no, the thing. It's like, you no. can't, and you he can't knows, control when it's going to happen. It's like no, not no, anyone's no. fault. And that's the, that's, the le, that's right? like one of the lessons of it that
2: I don't even mm-hmm. think I'm into it now, even though I think I have the better tools now. Mm-hmm. Um, so it get, it was getting worse and worse. And it just felt like every time I went to work, there was just, it, that everything was constantly, it was a constantly changing. The strategy was changing. What I was doing wasn't right. Like, or it was right, or it was against my gut. I can't explain to you, but what what I will tell you is I had a lot of friends that worked there that were single living in San Francisco, quitting. Without any other job lined up, because it was that the yeah. environment was that bad, and it just it was. Somebody said it was like it's like changing the wiring in electricity when the electricity is still on. Like that quote of like it just was your hair is on fire kind of environment. And so I decided I needed to take a leave of absence, which was really hard for me to to do, but I knew I needed to take care of myself. And I was, I started to get therapy while I was there. And when I look back, what I, what I learned is that I think I could have worked through it and stayed at work, but I just, I let, I honestly, I let it take control of me. And I, I let that anxiety take hold and be in charge, which I think It's a hard thing to say, but I I really believe that the only way through anxiety is through it, Mm -hmm. not avoiding it. Cause when you avoid it, it gets worse. And that's what happened. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I left, I was going to take a couple months off. I think I ended up taking three months off. Fortunately, I had great benefits. Not everyone's privileged enough to have that when you are in these crisis situations, but I was not okay. And the therapist I had was good. Um, but I don't know that I felt like it was helping. Um, and I was starting to have suicidal ideation at home while Nick was at work. And it got to the point where I was starting to have like thoughts of throwing myself off. We lived in a high rise building, Mm -hmm. throwing myself off a balcony. This is a person who just got married to Mm -hmm. like the love of my life. And I'm thinking about ending my life. It was just, it just shows you how like crazy it can get where you are literally not yourself. You're a shell of yourself because you're chemically off balance. It was wild. And I remember talking to my therapist and she's like, if you continue to have these thoughts, you need to check yourself into the hospital. So. I kept having the thoughts and I don't think I ever would go through with it, but I felt like I was desperate to get help and I didn't know that there were probably some other options. And so Nick drove me to the hospital and they put me on a 5150 hold, a psychiatric hold, which... I still even didn't know what was happening when I was there. I just was desperate to have someone to help me because I wanted to be better. And I wanted my husband to be okay. And I wanted us to be okay. And I I was fearful that I was going to lose my husband. After I just got married to him, you know, it was crazy. And when I got there, I'm like, I started to panic. And I remember Nick was kind of almost mad because he's like, I don't understand like what's happening. And, I wanted to like walk back out of the hospital and leave. And once you get in there and you check yourself into the ER, it's done. You have to be under someone's care for for three days. And it was one of the scariest moments of my life. I mean, I remember saying goodbye to Nick. And they're like rolling me in. You know, you feel like you're like a crazy person. I'm not a crazy person. Just someone who is mentally unwell. And they roll me to the elevator, and I look—I mean, because they were transferring me to a facility, and I just remember thinking, "What the fuck is happening right now? This is crazy." And so I got checked into this place, and talk about a reality check—I mean, the people, it—it it made me—it there were so many unwell people. I mean, they were all unwell. Obviously, they're there, but. I met people that have been there several times. Like these are people that some people bipolar, like you, you name it the whole gamut. And it's just, it was such a crazy experience, but it also put things into perspective pretty fast. Like, okay. Like I'm going to be okay. I remember talking to the psychiatrist there and she was like, Amy, you're totally going to be okay. I, you're, you're going to be fine just keep going. You have to go to like group sessions there. There's a lot of group therapy. You meet people. There's a lot of like kind of free time, but it's a very, there are some warm parts about it. And there were some really cold, sterile parts about it. But, um, I met some am- amazing people there. Um, and the only, I never my parents, I'm telling you this right now. My parents don't know the story, but they will before this gets published. Cause I want to tell them, but I didn't tell my family only Nick knew. And then my, one of my
0: best friends. So I would call and can I, I just want to say one thing. Cause I, this makes me emotional. It's uh, when you are having the thoughts of not wanting to be on this planet. I've openly talked about it on the podcast. It's almost like you're in a prison in your mind and you were You were newly married. Everything had everything going for you from the outside. But when you're a prisoner in your own mind, you know, I talk openly about going through. You know, I was having suicidal ideations as well. Um, I couldn't get it out of my mind. Every night I would go to bed two years ago and I would be like, oh, my God, why am I thinking this? What do I do? What do I do? Uh, And I would tell my husband and he was like genuinely worried about me. But what I will say, looking back on it, is it took guts. It took guts for you to do what you did. And anybody that's listening to this, that's judgmental, which I don't think all of my listeners are cool. People listen to this because they could be struggling mentally They're They've gone through something I don't have any listeners that are would I don't think ever be judgmental of you telling this story. I think the reason you're telling it is in got is like in case somebody is going through these same thoughts. This is what your experience is, was and what you chose to do, and what you chose to do, Amy, is extremely brave. And what you also chose to do, just by being on this podcast is extremely brave because it takes a lot of guts for somebody to tell this story and be honest and real. Most people wouldn't. So I just wanted to stop you right there and say that. And 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 I think once you tell your parents, your whole life is gonna go to a whole new level. Yeah. And you're gonna be free. I think so. I just had to say that.
2: No, I appreciate you saying that very much. I mean it was an out of that was like kind of an out of body experience. Um, even when I left, I mean, it was only three days that I was there. Um, I talked to this psychiatric the doctor that I mentioned before, and she was like, You're you're good to go. You don't you don't need to be here, but I highly recommend you get into an outpatient program. And that's kind of where you should have probably have been in the first place, but you know, this is where we are, <laughs> you know. Um and I believe that I needed to do what I did. Like I needed to, I, I just think I think that everything that led up to that moment needed to happen. Everything that's happened since then needs to happen for me, and this is my story.
0: Um,
2: yeah. So I, I went into an outpatient program that is centered around dialectical behavioral therapy, and the coreness of it is it's it's the core kind of um, foundation is mindfulness and being like present with your life and really learning how to emotionally self-regulate. I can't remember all the ins and outs of it, but there's, it's actually a pretty effective program that I think is used for people with pretty intense mental disorders, but I think it can help anyone. And I was with people that we were supposed to be like sort of the less severe group. And then there was a more severe group with mental disorders. And I was still with people that were, I mean, we lost, there, there are two people in the group that have since died to a drug overdose and suicide. Um, so obviously they were in very serious, um, they had serious mental wealth, mental health issues that, that they just couldn't, they couldn't beat. Um, and which is really sad, but it was a whole range of people as far as, um, you know, mental struggles. Um, but I found the program to be pretty effective and I did it for several weeks from what I can recall. and. It helped me get my feet back.
0: But it, but it's it's a tool that you found because I always like to hear about tools that people use. Were you also put on medication, and did you find a therapist I, that was a good fit? So
2: I ended up doing a pretty. I I did that program for a several weeks, I think, and I didn't end up getting a a one on one therapist. I was on anti anxiety medicine for a while I know I took Xanax and then there was something else I was taking and there was a doctor there that they had that I was accessible to a psychiatrist that I would check in with throughout the program um I just don't remember exactly what yeah. I was taking but it was sort of like I took it for a while and then tapered off um once I got into a groove back at work and I felt like I didn't need it anymore um, the biggest thing for me was coming out of that mm-hmm. therapy. I defaced the music and went back to work <laughs> that had, I took on a different role, but oh I, God. I got, I got back there and they were actually, you know, uh, very supportive. I can't say anything negative about it. I it was, it was the first day was so hard for me internally, but honestly, everyone treated me with respect and it wasn't if anything, like a couple of the leaders there were like, we respect you for, they don't know that what all this stuff that happened, of course, but they were, they respected me for being so honest. Cause I was honest. I said, I think I need a break. Like I, I need to get some help. And, um, that was hard enough to do. Cause I felt like I was a little, like I felt defeated a little bit. Like I'm losing out on your, <laughs> I don't know, you're coming in and changing this business and in some ways I felt like I was failing, but you know what? I don't feel like I failed because I faced, I faced it and went back. And I think that was a very important part of my story was going back and showing myself that I could get through this. And actually mm-hmm. it turned out to be pretty good and things were getting better. And then of course, like they ended up shutting that division down at gap. And that's why I ended up looking for jobs down here to stay in fashion e commerce. And I ended up working with revolve down here. um,
0: and that's why I moved down here. but shout out, revolve. I love <laughs> revolve. Um, but I wanted to really quickly um talk about what so then you got pregnant, you have two kids did did this did you have this depression under control? you had new tools? Did you experience postpartum? So
2: I was totally prepared. I even told my OBGYN. I have had struggles with anxiety and depression. I really want to be on top of my, um, my mental health after I have this baby and I never ended up having, um, I didn't have postpartum depression, fortunately for me with either baby.
0: So you, so you ended up not having to deal with postpartum depression and you have probably had tools. And I love that you, you were upfront and you told your doctor ahead of time that you had had battles. I think that's so important. I just did an episode with Danny Jernigan, who's a postpartum um, advocate and um, experienced extreme postpartum depression. And she talks about what she did to prepare herself with her second baby some of the steps she took. So I wanted to touch on that because I think it is something that can happen specifically with obviously women deal with it. Um, Oh, yeah. And just finding ways to be able to overcome it is so important.
2: I mean, it's a real thing and and I can see how it can very easily happen too because your hormones are all out of whack.
0: Especially when you have a history of anxiety and depression. I had it really badly with Sophie. My mm-hmm. oldest. So um so now that you're in the place that well, you're I, in right now, how are you doing mentally? Are I'm, you do you are you still in therapy? Do you have tools that you well, use? Well, talk gonna, about that.
2: I was gonna say between so between I just have I have a one year old, but before I had Grant, my one year old, I actually lost I had two miscarriages and my first one was at eighteen weeks and that was probably one of the more, most heartbreaking moments of my life. I could barely walk out of the doctor's office. I fell to my knees um, when I called my mom outside of the hosp- uh, the doctor's office, and was like, "I don't know how I'm going to get out of this mentally because I was going to have a baby girl, another baby girl." Um, and even just going through the process of I had a, uh, D&E, a D and E, a dilation evacuation. Um, even going through that whole process was pretty early. And I, what I learned from the last few times is that I need to be proactive with my mental health. So I actually got a therapist pretty immediately after that experience. And she's my first therapist. I will say that I absolutely love and she's here in town. Um, And I started going to her on the regular and I was so proud of myself for doing that because I really think it helped me mentally recover and works through some things, some more things. I mean, I feel like you're always working on yourself and I don't think I'll ever not go back to therapy. Um, but it really helped me through that period of mourning and loss. Um, and so I just think that she's there for me when I need it. And sometimes I feel like, you know, what, I need a little fine tuning. Um, Mentally, I feel pretty good right now. As I've started to start my own business, it's very uncharted territory and can be uncomfortable at times. And then trying to figure out how to manage two kids and all that definitely causes stress. And I've had moments of anxiety, but I still feel pretty balanced right now. Um, And one of the things that is super critical to my mental wellness, and it always goes, I always put it, I always put it to the side when I'm not well is just exercising. So walking and walking it for me and moving my body is so important. And when I neglect that, then my anxiety gets worse. So that's one of the things. And just time alone is so important to me. So um right now I feel like I'm in a good place and I feel like I have some good tools, but it's not to say that I'm not gonna have, you know, other experiences where I'm going to need some help. Um but I can't complain right now. I feel Well, like-
0: I think that, I think that you have, like sometimes there's almost an advantage where you've gone through all the things that you have gone through. And now you can, you have, you know that you have those resources. Like for me with Dr. Nay, I don't go to her now every week. You know, I, I, when I feel like I need a little bit of a break, I take, I take a break and I'm like, right now I happen to be in a very good place. Knock on wood doesn't mean something could change. um and I know the signs, and it sounds like you do too, where it's like, okay, this is what I have to do, and there's always kind of like an action plan. so yeah. I love that you exercise. I love that you take time for yourself. These are all things I do too. If I didn't work out every day, I think i would i would I do it for my mental health, like I have to. If I don't work out, I feel horrible and, and it really affects me. Um, Amy, I I just, I'm so appreciative of you that you came onto the podcast. I, it takes real guts to share your story. I know it wasn't easy for you to come out and be honest and real, but I think that if there's one thing I've learned um, just doing this, I'm almost on my year anniversary of pot, be, being a podcaster. Um, people will reach out to me over things sometimes and just say, I, I went through such and such this guest, I could relate to them because of whatever it was. You're helping somebody by sharing your story. And the most important thing for people to know that might be struggling is there's always help out there. Always. And I think, I think that, if you ever want to reach out, Amy, can you share your Instagram again? I'm also gonna post it on the show notes of my episode.
2: Yes, it's at the T-H-E-Anders, A-N-D-E-R-S, edit, E-D-I-T. Anytime you can okay. reach out. And you can I, follow I'm me.
0: Young. Follow me at judging Megan too. And if you wanna um you wanna reach out it's always good to reach out to somebody that might be able to relate and we can maybe point you in the right direction right yes. um thank you amy you're awesome thank you so I much i love you. seeing your beautiful beautiful face um keep going amy you're you're the planet you're you're helping people and the world needs you
2: thank you so much i appreciate you having me on and i'm so lucky to know you and um I just hope that if this can help just one person feel like they're not alone then I, then it's then it's done what I intended it for it. I intended it to do so
0: I'm grateful I promise grateful. it will I promise it will know that
2: Well thank you for having
0: thank me Thank you Of course so everyone keep living, keep praying and keep growing Hi everybody Have you heard of Instacart? If you have not heard of Instacart, I don't know where you have been living because it saved my life. I don't have to go to the grocery store. I can get my stuff delivered to my house. And if you go to judgingmegan.com forward slash Instacart, you will get $35 off of your first order if you've never ordered before. So I would say get on there right now and skip your trip to the grocery store.